Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Turn to two or three people. Welcome them to church. I know it's another packed house here. Got some overflow, got some benches. Let them know you enjoy worshiping next to them. Amazing, amazing, amazing. We had our leaders gala on Thursday. Give it up for our leaders, everybody. Come on. We have 60 servant leaders now, and we got all dressed up on purpose because it was fun. Nobody dresses up anymore, you know? So we're like, why not? Let's just change culture. Dress up once a year. Anyway. It's good. Today we get to close uh, Seat at the Table uh, Church United series. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, we've been going through uh, Church United series where a lot of dozens of churches across South Florida come together and we teach and preach on the same thing, we, things that we want the entire body of Christ to know. Last week, my toddlers decided to bless me with the stomach flu which was awesome. And so I'll, I'll spare you all the details, but I could not be here. And so thank you, Matt, for, uh, would you guys give it up for Matt? And uh, Matt taught, I came down with the stomach flu on Saturday afternoon and I said, hey guys, I'm not gonna be there tomorrow. And so we can do a worship Sunday or somebody can try to teach this thing. And Matt stepped up to the plate and did a, did a great job. And so thank you guys uh, for plowing through. But today we get to, to finish our series, Seat at the Table. And then next week, Thomas Lawson is going to be teaching. And I'm really excited. Thomas is one of our leaders, and he's recently stepping up. He's going to be overseeing lift groups for us in the spring and as we go forward. Our church has recently broken 200 people. There's 200 people now in our church, which is super exciting. And we got a lot of exciting things coming up for us the next few months that we get to talk about soon. That we're adding more leaders and, and people are taking uh, just higher leadership roles. And so Thomas is going to help us oversee lift groups. And just excited to get him to come and, and teach next week. So Thanksgiving is just Thursday. What? Wasn't it just August? I don't even understand. That's just flying right now. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stuff your face, gain five pounds, but show up on Sunday and support Thomas. Okay, can you do that for me? And uh, it's, it's going to be, we're going to be here too. Uh, I'm going to be five pounds heavier, but we're going to be here. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Uh, and we have plenty of pumpkin pie too. So get some pumpkin pie on the way out if you didn't get any yet. Okay, so let's go to Luke chapter five. We're going to, we're going to wrap up our series today. Luke chapter five is we close a seat at the table And this is, again, another meal. Everything around our series has been based around uh, a table, a a meal, a conversation, and uh, which is just such such the style of Jesus and the way that he he rolled. Uh, Luke chapter 5, going to start in verse 27 this morning. It says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." I've been scuba diving for about 12 years now, and uh, even, even about a month ago, I had a chance to go out with a few guys and did some diving and spearfishing, just had a lot of fun. One of the first times I went out scuba diving, though, I was unaware of how strong the current can be in the ocean. 
And I was going with a buddy. It was both of us. Like, I don't know, we'd only gone like one or two times. And so we're really new to the, to the hobby. And so we're down for about 45 minutes underwater. And we pop up and we were navigating with like our compasses and everything underwater and trying to use the reef to, to navigate. And the way that we thought and the way that we navigated, we were supposed to pop up and the boat was supposed to be right, right in front of us, right? And so we pop up. And there is no boat to be found at all. It is just nothing but ocean. And, of course, I have a lot of gear on me, right? And I've got my goggles on me. And, and so we pop up, and to our horror, there's no boat. And I look around this way, and there's no boat. And I look around this way, and there's no boat. And I'm like, I'm in trouble. I'm going to leave my wife with two kids, and I'm going to float off into the ocean, you know? And I have this 10-second panic moment where I'm like, what in the world you know, and we look around for a little bit, and then finally I hear some noises, and I flip all the way around 180, and the boat was just 20 feet behind me, but it was so close to me, I couldn't see it, and what my friend and I did is we underestimated how strong the current was. We thought it was supposed to be somewhere, but the current was stronger than we expected, and it took us a little bit farther down than what we thought. When we become followers of Christ, there is a current that begins to happen in our lives, which is a good current. It's called the current of discipleship. Discipleship, if I, if I could put it in a simple terms, is me picking up the personality and the priorities of Jesus. And so what happens to all of us is we get saved, and a lot of us have only been following Jesus for like the last year or so, so we're a pretty new church. But we get saved, and we get saved out of all the things that we've been doing in the world, and we come to Christ, and we see his love, and we see his goodness, and then we start this process of following him. And we get plugged into a church. We get plugged into a lift group. And these are all good things that we need. And, and we begin to go down the current. We go down this journey of becoming more and more like Christ. And, and that's a good thing. But along the journey of following Christ, we begin to have good times at church. We eat pumpkin pie together. We pray for each other. And we start making new friendships. And, and they're Christians, which is good. You, you need Christian friends. In fact, I would make an argument that that inner circle should probably be full of people of faith. And if you're a believer today, then you should marry a believer. You know, the Bible doesn't have a lot of opinions on who you should marry, okay? You can marry anybody from any country, any height, any wealth status. I mean, marry for money if you can't marry for looks, okay? But I'm just letting you know, like, there's no stipulation there. But the Bible does say, don't be unequally yoked, right? So if you're a believer, marry another believer because the Bible understands like hey, there's kind of some dynamics here. You know, and even Jesus, he had the three, he had the 12, and then he had the 70. I think there is an argument to be made that some of those close friends that you really got to cry and laugh with and pray with, man, some believers go a long way there to, to have somebody to come around you and hug you and, and pray for you, right? But over time, we have more and more friends that are more and more believers and more and more lift groups and more and more fun and more and more like Jesus. And what can happen to us and we're enjoying the friendship and the encouragement and the fellowship. And these are good things. But that current of discipleship takes us down a path. And one day, five years later, we wake up and we're like, I don't know any unbelievers anymore. I don't know anybody that doesn't think like me, talk like me, act like me anymore. There's a current that happens in our life. And the reason I'm talking about it now is I want us to make aware of this. This happens to churches Hey, we're having so much fun, Pastor. It's so great. The friendships are so awesome. The worship is so great. We're so encouraged. That's awesome. But we don't know anybody anymore that's over there. 
And what's funny about religion, it kind of sneaks in and it makes us look back and be like, oh man, they don't know what they're talking about. Can you see how wrong they are? There's a sneaky little thing that slips inside of us. Fellowship and relationship and friendship, these are key ingredients to church and we need them. There is another key ingredient to church, and that is called mission. Mission. I like their definition of mission, and I, I want to unpackage it a little bit. Living on mission means living on God's mission by regularly choosing to create opportunities to build genuine relationships with unbelievers. Several years ago, during Thanksgiving, my family asked me to make the pumpkin pie. At my family, they can cook. I mean, they can cook. They make homemade breads and turkeys and mashed potatoes and way too much butter. And, and my wife will tell you, my family can cook. There's a few things my family can do, and cooking is one of them. And so when they asked me to make the pumpkin pie, I thought, yo, I got this. You know, I can do this. And so I whipped up this pie together. I thought I did a great job. And we, we stuffed our faces and, and had a huge meal. And now it was time for dessert. And my sister made a pumpkin cheesecake, and another one made this thing and that. And I'm like, here's my, my pumpkin pie. And we cut into the pie, and we dish it up. And everybody takes a big bite, and to their horror, I had forgotten a key ingredient. You want to guess what it is? Sugar. No, I remembered the pumpkin. I, did, I know it's supposed to look orange. I forgot the sugar. I forgot the sugar. And to everyone's horror, the pumpkin pie tasted like a vegetable. It just, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible because I forgot a key ingredient. Mission is a key ingredient to the church. It is mission that allows me to swim back to the beginning and to never forget what Jesus saved me from. And to remember that this whole thing is about other people. I mean, come on, how narcissistic would our faith be if it was all about us? It's not all about us. It is all about other people. We're showing up today for people who haven't shown up yet. We're serving today for people who haven't heard yet. Like my pumpkin pie, the gospel is not sweet until it goes. And discipleship is a current that is going to happen in our lives. And it should happen. It needs to happen. The current of discipleship in church is a natural flow of life. But mission must be intentional. The friendships, the discipleships, the coming of Jesus, becoming like Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to work this inside of you. And if you hang around, you're going to, you're going to eventually start sounding like Jesus. You're going to eventually start talking like Jesus. You're going to eventually start acting like Jesus. Why? Because you get saved and you try to go clubbing a few times and you're like, that didn't feel the way it used to feel. Like I remember when I first got saved and I tried to do certain things and I was like, something doesn't feel right. That's the Holy Spirit. Some of you remember after you got saved, you sinned a few times and you're like, that didn't feel as fun as it used to feel. Why not? Because the Holy Spirit is on the inside and now you got this thing called conviction and it's just God's working on the inside of you and you're like, wait a minute, like, I'm trying to live according to this new nature that God has given me. And so, so the current of discipleship is good, but mission must be intentional. I love the definition of intentional. It is done on purpose. You have to build friendships on purpose. 
You have to get to know people on purpose. You have to share your faith on purpose. There's no current about mission that happens naturally. That's what I want you to see. If you hang in the church, discipleship is going to start being this natural. You're going to start building Christian friends. These things are going to happen naturally, okay? All right, worship, it's going to come naturally. Us laughing to it, it's natural. But to do mission, that has to be intentional because that does not come naturally. Nobody liked that, Alyssa. That's all right, I'm going to keep going. If I look at the ministry of Jesus, if I look at this text, I think a couple of things are really, really interesting here. We can build walls of separation or we can build tables of connection. If I look at the Pharisees, what they struggled with is they were getting holier and holier and holier in their own mind. And they look back and they see tax collectors and sinners and they say, man, I need a wall of separation. I need to separate myself from them. And then if I look at the ministry of Jesus, who theologically we would all say he's the most holy one ever, right? His holiness knows no ends, right? He never sinned. And so here he is, perfect holiness. I mean, could you, could you imagine how frustrating it would have been to have been Jesus's younger siblings? I mean, you know Mary at least a few times. It's like, why don't you just act like your older brother? You know, it's like, he's Jesus. That would have been frustrating being the second born in that family, you know? So he's perfect holiness, but yet he never felt like he needed a wall to protect his holiness. He made a table of connection so he could be with people that he knew had it wrong. You know, it's been said, and I love this, that love without truth is meaningless, but truth without love is just mean. It's amazing to me that he's perfect truth, perfect holiness, but yet he's always setting a table for somebody that doesn't understand. I think sometimes in our own insecurities, we grab a truth, and then if somebody doesn't agree with us, we're like, that's it, unfollow. I'm going to ghost them, I'm going to silence them, I'm going to cancel them in my own mind, in my own heart. I think what's so frustrating about the gospel is Jesus is trying to reach the people I'm trying to cancel. Isn't that frustrating? God just does not give up on bad people. What's amazing right now in 2023, there's a lot of ideologies flying around, and that's fine. It's okay to have an opinion. I'd, I'd rather have that world. You know, we're definitely, we're believers. We're definitely not forcing anybody to believe this thing, right? We change the world by loving, serving, letting the Holy Spirit do his job. Uh, as a believer, I've learned to stay behind the Holy Spirit because if the Holy Spirit's not talking to them, well, they're definitely not going to listen to me, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay behind the Holy Spirit and pray. But I've learned that to make the world a better place, you love it, you serve it, you start caring for people, and you preach Jesus, and he's the hope of the world. But it's amazing to me, so many ideologies flying around, and because they know they don't have the power to transform anybody, they just reject anybody that doesn't agree with them. And yet here I see Jesus, perfect truth, perfect security. See, there's something about truth that just makes you peaceful and secure. When you're resting in truth, you don't feel the need to fight anymore. You're just like, I'm just resting in truth. And so out of his incredible holiness, incredible truth, incredible security, he's like, I'm going to build relationships with people that I know would disagree with me. You know, tax collectors, we look back on that and we're like, well, how could the Pharisees be so mean to sinners and tax collectors? Man, tax collectors were not good people. I mean, tax collectors were working for the Roman government. So they're working for the enemy right? And they're taking a little extra money on the side and they're abusing the Jewish people. And so they're like, listen, I don't like you. You're taking advantage of me and you're working for the enemy. I don't like you. 
you could understand that, right? And so the Pharisees are like, Jesus, why are you trying to reach bad people? Why are you trying to reach sinners? We're down here. We're down this road. We look back and we're like, they're bad people. We need a wall of separation. And Jesus is like, yo, they're bad people. We need a table of connection. Wow. I can build walls of separation in my life or I can build tables of connection in my life. I think this is very interesting. Jesus did all of his correction through relationship. All of his correction, he did it through relationship. And I, I find that fascinating. I think this is one reason why all this correcting on social media is not working. There's no relationship. Theodore Roosevelt said, people do not care about how much you know until they know how much you care. The first thing I have to establish is I actually care about you and your life. And I'm willing to take a shot to listen and to love and to serve. All of a sudden, the game changes. And the problem with X or Twitter, you know, it's like it, it doesn't allow for relational care and connection to take off, right? And so you got all this like, and it's like, yeah, but where's the care? Where are the believers that are just like, yo, let's pause, and I love you, I'm gonna pray for you, I'm gonna serve you, and I'm gonna build a table of connection with you. I said a couple of weeks ago that religion's response to sinful behavior is rejection, right? It's, it's rejection, it has no power to transform, so it just rejects. Jesus' response to sinful behavior is redemption. So hear me out. How can we get people to redemption if we don't redirect them? How can we redirect them if we don't have relationship with them? It all starts with relationship. It starts with a seat at the table. It starts with us going down this road of discipleship, becoming more and more like Christ. But as we look back, we're like, hey, I don't need a wall of separation from you. I need a table of connection with you. If everyone in your life thinks like you, tweets like you, sounds like you, can I encourage you this morning to get a new table? Build a new table with somebody that disagrees with you and begin to love on them. You know, I, I read the Bible and it's so frustrating for me because it says things like pray for your enemies, love your enemies. Nobody wants to do that in 2023. But you will never have a vibrant faith until you start obeying Jesus and what he said to do. I will never pick up the heart of God the Father until I start obeying this word and beginning to loving on people that I don't feel are deserving of love. Because guess what? I'm not deserving of love either. And neither are you. You're not deserving of God's love either. And that is the beauty of the gospel. We were all sick people in need of a doctor, and Jesus built a table for us, and that's why we're here. And that's why this is a house of love, and that's why this is a table and not a wall. Amen? That was good. Walls of separation or tables of connection. I'm going to leave you with this, some application that Church United want me to, to share, and it's really, really good. Here's some four eyes for us as we go into the Christmas season. Would you, number one, identify some people in your life who do not know Jesus? This week, would you identify people in your life that don't know Jesus? Number two, would you invest time in them? Invest in the relationship. Build the table of connection. Number three, would you intercede for them to come to faith in Jesus? 
And number four, would you invite them to church or a conversation about faith? There should be a city lift card on everybody's chair today. I want to challenge you to take that card, give that to a friend or family member, somebody that you're praying for, somebody that you're investing in. We have Thomas preaching next week, and then we're blasting into the Christmas season. It's going to be amazing. This is a great opportunity to just share who we are, what we do, and how we love people. Let me pray, and we'll close today. Heavenly Father, thank you for today's teaching. God, we thank you that that encouragement, friendship, fellowship, these are all natural things of what we do. Father, we also never want to let go of mission and remind ourselves today it's not about us. It's about other people, that we were the sick ones. You came for us. You were our doctor, Jesus. And God, you made a table for us. We want to make a table for others. We want to keep the heart of love, Father, right now in a world full of offense. We want a heart of love today. Would you help us, Father? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.